You're about to listen to Grace Pills by Reverend Josh Lai, lead pastor at Caris Center International. Reverend Josh Lai is a preacher of the gospel of the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Be blessed as you listen. So we spoke to what a codified language is, and we said that the Bible is written in a codified language. And I gave an example regarding the old uh, the, the messages I preach. That is the audio, and then how you write your notes. Now, so we take it that your notes writing is like the New Testament. Okay, so you write in abbreviations. Of maybe what I've spoken from a certain perspective and all of that. So you, you write them and sometimes you put the sentence in bits so that later you feel it. But how can you feel it? You can only feel it when you go and listen to the audio. In listening to the audio, you'll be able to know why I said what I said. You'll be able to put everything together. And it's the same way. When a person just reads the New Testament, they will see that the apostles quoted certain things from the Old Testament, but they may not actually tell you exactly what the premise was, but you will see it in the New Testament in a certain light. But if you're able to go to the reference point, it gives you what was there, what was actually the main thing that was being said, and then it will sit in well for you as you read the New Testament and your understanding will be full. Is that very clear? And that's why studying the Old Testament is very important. It is so, so important. And I know that for most of us, we didn't like the Old Testament. Now, we love parts of the Old Testament. Parts of the Old Testament we love are the stories. Okay, so most preachers especially preach from the Old Testament. When they preach something, had a lion, I caught a lion, put a lion under his armpit, or whatever, or took the gates of the city, you know, and they can do a whole lot with that. But then when it comes to where the prophecies are spoken, okay, and the, the meaning of the prophecies within the context they were spoken, and how it is interpreted in the new, they don't want to go there at all. Okay? Because for them, the Bible is written in segments and in dispensations. And so the Old Testament is very different from the what? New Testament. That's how they treat it. That's how they treat it. Okay? So they don't see Christ as the theme of Scripture, as the center of Scripture. Okay, when they see plenty names, they don't bother. But now, you would bother. Because you realize that, oh, okay, I didn't see Cain. I didn't see... Ah, so it was speaking to a particular lineage. Okay, that will fulfill the Messianic lineage. Is that very clear? Mm -hmm. uh -huh. so, so now when you see those names, you don't take them for granted. 
you see the Amalekites, the what um, Jebusites and uh, Amorites, and you see all of the Titites, and and, and and you you just don't look at them. Oh, Titites, what are, what is this? No, you realize that they have a representation. Are you getting the point? And they are called the enemies of what God because they are against God's people. All right, so these are typification of unbelievers. And all of them have the application of the flesh and of the things that we are to rise above, above, or the things to be redeemed from. Are you getting the understanding? So it is so important to study the Old Testament, and it gives you a very deep and intimate relationship with the New Testament. Is that very clear? Mm -hmm. So I say studying and meditating on it gives you a deeper understanding than before. A careful study of the New Testament alongside the Old gives a perfect grasp of the whole counsel of God. Let's all say it together. A careful study of the New Testament alongside the Old gives a perfect grasp of the whole counsel of God. The whole counsel of God. All right. Now, the reason Jesus was able to expound the scriptures to the apostles was because he had studied it, true or false. And the reason why the apostles also understood him is because they had studied it. If they had not, they would not have been able to synchronize. So you see what the Holy Ghost brought their remembrance to. They, he brought their remembrance to what they had studied. If there was nothing there, he won't bring their remembrance to anything. Is it making sense? Yes. They had studied the Old Testament. But they didn't have its confirmation and interpretation in the view. So when Jesus, who has studied the old, and is the confirmation of the new, started opening them up, the Holy Ghost, because of what they have studied, opened them up to its confirmation, and they were able to synchronize their thoughts. Is that very clear? So you see, the Holy Ghost will not bring remembrance to nothing, to nothing. You have to do a study for the Holy Ghost to bring your remembrance to it. Is that very clear? And that's why a lot of people become heretic. Or heretic, sorry. Because, you see, they don't study. And they sit down and they are hearing voices. <laughs> and they say, the Holy Ghost told me. And then they actually do private interpretation of Scripture. Are you here with me? Okay. And what we're talking about right now is a very serious issue. 
It is the reason why the church has become the way it is. Don't forget that the first sin, how it happened, was false interpretation of scripture. So you see, the devil was like the Holy Ghost. Talking to him. Just like a man of God will say, the Holy Spirit is talking to me. Are you hearing me? But he is talking not from scripture. So if accepted personal private interpretation and it's as if it was a good thing from God. Okay. So you see, don't, don't stop listening to the audios. Don't stop putting your Bible alongside and then making research into what I am teaching you. Praise God. Don't try to do your own thing. You are leading yourself into something else. Is that very clear? The reason why they were able to write the letters to the churches was because they had studied the Old Testament. True of all. Yes. The reason why Apostle Paul stood out was because he had studied it as a vocation and to a very high level. He was a doctor of the law. <laughs> And the moment he got the theme of Christ as the center, are you getting the point? And they started studying along those lines from which he had heard from the apostles, he was able to bring out all the revelation that was required. Are you clear? That was why he never said anything that was not said in the Old Testament and never said anything that Jesus did not say. Are you clear with me? Do you know that for most of you, when you see what he wrote and said, not I. This one is not the Lord, it is I. You think that Paul is saying that this one, I am the one who is personally saying it? You think that's what Paul is saying? Asuma, you think that's what Paul is saying? Ah, so that's what most people think. That Paul is saying that um, this one here, it is not the spirit of this one, it is me, Paul. I am the one who is saying this. So, uh, you can take it or not. That's not what Paul is saying. 
Paul is actually telling you that what he is saying is something that he actually took. But he is actually bringing it to bear within the context of practical wisdom. Do you understand what I just said? Listen. When you are actually speaking to something within general um, a general concept, you are able to speak to its thought very clearly within the lines of general concepts because it is something that cuts one across. But you see, where he said so was in marriage. Ah, are you getting the point? Mm -hmm. ah, ah, it was what? In marriage. And in marriage, the, the things he was talking about were things that were very personal and private. You don't understand? Yeah. You use general concepts to bring them to bear in private issues. So when you read the Bible, the Bible doesn't tell you don't smoke cigarettes. Does the Bible tell you that? No. <laughs> the Bible doesn't tell you that, but you know that your body is the temple of the living God. You need to stay healthy. Is that clear? So he never said that if you actually smoke cigarettes, you have sinned against God. Smoking secret is not sin against God. But it is sin against your body. Oh, are you getting the point? Is that very clear? Uh -huh. Because it will not help you live well so that you can serve God with your body. Is that very clear? Do you understand it? So you see, Paul didn't speak to that because it is personal. Were there people who were smoking? Yes. Are you getting it? The same as drinking. He didn't speak to it. He only spoke to being drunk. Are you getting the point? But he never said don't drink. So you use the general concept to apply to what? The rule. The situation. But what he spoke to regarding marriage was very personal and to their core, very private. And so he says, using the general concept, this is what the general concept will have you to do in a private situation. But he knows that your situation may differ from the private one he's talking about. Is that very clear? It looks like some are clear, some are still not clear. You are not clear. Who is not clear? You are not clear. Okay. If he's talking about divorce, you see, he tells you that the general rule is that God doesn't want you to divorce. He will want you to stay. Do you get it? 
That's the general rule. But when it comes to a particular situation, you can divorce. So Paul would say, this is art. <laughs> Within the context of that private situation I am dealing with, in the Corinthian church, which may differ in another church, I am giving you how to solve it in that particular situation I am seeing right now. Is that very good? Yes. But then, in the context of the general rule, he has given what scripture has told us to do if we are in a situation like that. Is that very clear? Mm -hmm. Are we clear now? Yes. Okay, so if, if, if he is dealing with the issue, it is not that he is saying that, okay, I've moved everything that Christ said. This one is my personal judgment. Do it this way. He's linking what he's actually saying to what Christ has already said. But then he actually speaks specifically to a private issue that may change in the next church, in the next uh, marriage, in the next scenario, it may change. So within this scenario, treat it this way. But in the next scenario, use the general word. Is that very clear? Do we understand it? Yes. Okay. So all I'm trying to say is that there is nothing in scripture that stands on its own it is always linked to the Old Testament. It will definitely show up in the new because it has been in the old. Is that very clear? Mm -hmm. Now with this understanding, you would realize that the practice of the world with the intent and its purpose it deserves and to receive its blessing in obedience will come from you knowing the old and the new together. If you don't know the old and the new together, your application of scripture can sometimes be problematic. And you can sometimes lose its full blessing in obedience. Is that very clear? Mm -hmm. Look at Exodus 16, 3 to 7. And the children of Israel said to them, All that we have died in the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt, when we sat by the pots of meat, and when we ate bread to the full. For you have brought us out in this wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. Then the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I will rain bread from heaven for you, and the people shall go out and gather a certain quota every day, that I may test them. 
whether they will walk in my law or not. What did you see there? He was giving them the miracle for a reason. True or false? What was the reason? Oh. To test whether their loyalty is to him or so 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 check this. He was giving them the miracle to bring the attention to the to the work. Is that very clear? Yeah. He was giving them the miracle to bring the attention to what? The to the work. So he was not giving them the miracle as the absolute. They doubt him. They don't trust him. They don't believe him. He's actually giving them the miracle so they will believe. So that they will come into walking in the world. Is that very clear? So what he's looking forward to that they do is to walk in the world. Is that very clear? And it is the reason they're receiving the miracle. Is that clear? Of the manner. And it shall be on the sixth day that they shall prepare what they bring in, and it shall be twice as much as they gather daily. Then Moses and Aaron said to all the children of Israel, At evening you shall know that the Lord has brought you out of the land of Egypt, and in the morning you shall see the glory of the Lord, for he hears your complaint against the Lord. But what are we that you complain against us? So he gave them the miracle so they would pay attention to his word. Is that very clear? Mm. So Israel actually did not know God. Israel never ever decided to know God. That's why it was clearly said that Moses knew the ways of God. Israel only enjoyed the miracle. God gave them the miracles so he would bring their attention to the word. But they will always enjoy the miracles and forget about God. Is that clear? Yeah. So they kept dwelling on miracles, but the miracles never led them to God. The miracles were meant to be signposts so that they would see God, so that they would know God, so that they would believe. But most of them enjoyed the miracles, but it never led them to where it was meant to lead them. Is that very clear? And that's why we are not to dwell on miracles. We are not to what? Okay. So he gave them a physical miracle as a symbol of a supernatural event. He gave them physical food to eat so they will know that they must eat spiritual meals. He gave them bread so that they will know that man shall not live by bread alone. Is that very clear? Is that very clear? Okay. So miracles, I said, are reminders of spiritual realities. Say miracles Miracles. are reminders reminders of spiritual realities. realities. They are not forever. Say they are not forever. So he gave them miracles because he's taking them to the land and the same thing it is today. He gives us miracles because he's taking us to the land. And we all know he's taking us into eternity. Is that very clear? And so we dwell on eternity. 
We don't dwell on their mid. Is that very clear? Okay. So you don't dwell on miracles. Say, I don't dwell on miracles. I don't dwell. Look at Genesis chapter 1, verse 9. Let's add the verse 10. You're going to see something beautiful. Then God said, let the waters under the heavens be gathered together into one place. And let the dry land appear. And it was so. And God called the dry land earth. And the gathering together of the waters he called seas. And God saw that it was good. Do you know that this is Exodus? You know this? That is Exodus? Mm -hmm. So I told you that, you see, if you read Genesis and you think you are reading science, mm -hmm. or you are reading just how God created the earth and all of those things, you are actually going to, you'll be found wanting because that is not the purpose. Look at Exodus 14, 21, 22, and 29. Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea. And the Lord caused the sea to go back by a strong east wind all that night. And made the sea into dry land. And the waters were divided. So the children of Israel went into the midst of the sea on the dry ground. And the waters were a wall to them on their right hand and on their left. Praise God. Did you see what happened in Genesis? Happening right here. In Exodus. Oh, did you see that? Okay. Go to Joshua. Three seventeen. So, we saw in Genesis what we call more like the beginning of creation. The waters divided. Clear? Yes. And we saw the dry land. Is that clear? Yes. We saw Exodus. When they were leaving Egypt, mm -hmm. the waters were divided. Yeah? Mm -hmm. And they walked on the dry land. Is that clear? Yes. Now, Joshua 3.17 is actually speaking to when they had got into Canaan. Is that clear? Mm -hmm. The Jordan. Then the priest who bought the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stood firm on dry ground in the midst of the Jordan, and all Israel crossed over on dry ground until all the people had crossed completely over the Jordan. What is this? So this is new creation. This is being born again. So it is a motif of God doing something new. It is the exodus passing through water. Did you see that? This is where 1 Corinthians 10, 1 to 4, in the New Testament, they call it baptism. Are you very clear? 
Moreover, brethren, I do not want you to be unaware that all our fathers were under the cloud. All passed through the sea. All were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. All ate the same spiritual food and all drank the same spiritual drink. For they drank of the spiritual rock that followed them. That rock was Christ. So when you are born again now, you are also baptized. Does it make sense? Okay? Go and read the gospel. Them that believe are what? Baptized. Is that very clear? Okay? <laughs> Symbolic of the new creation. We are baptized into Christ. We have passed through the water. And we are now on safe land. We are on dry ground. We are on, we are on a land that is secure. We have our security. We have our salvation. Are you getting the point? So when he said the flood will not overwhelm you, you understand it now. When he, he uh, there's this scripture we used to, yeah, it's a popular scripture. When the enemy comes in like a flood, the spirit of the Lord shall raise a standard. It is speaking to your salvation. <laughs> All right. So the Exodus is moving us through the water onto the dry ground, onto the place of security. Praise God. Hallelujah. So when Jesus goes to Jordan to be baptized, when he say, what is he saying? God is starting a new thing. It's a new beginning. Is that very clear? So he goes through the water eh? to make us understand that it's a new beginning. So he says, he that believes and is baptized shall be saved. So we can say that he that crosses the Red Sea or crosses the Jordan stands on dry ground. God's new creation is saved. Is that very clear? Mm -hmm. So like I said, all of these signs are pointers. Are you, can you get it now? They are pointers. So the miracles of Jesus are signs of an exodus. Until you know why miracles happen, you'll be practicing wrong doctrine. Moses had the most miracles in the Bible. Yet, he gave instructions. Even regarding quarantine. Do you know that? Do you know that when you go to Leviticus, you see all of that there? Even food and diet. As a matter of fact, leprosy, how it should be treated, how people should be banned. They should have healed all of them. Miraculously. 
They could have eaten whatever they like and expect miracles. But there was order of living, true or false. Are you getting the point? So you see, miracles don't just happen. When miracles happen, they are only signs. Do you understand what I'm saying? Jonathan, do you understand it? So if you're not careful, that's why people now, they receive one miracle and they think that life should always be what? So they receive healing. And then the same food they ate, that gave them the sickness, they eat it again. If you have the food, I'll give you. But like I said, Israel experienced the most miracle. Yet, they even gave instructions on how to wash your hands with warm water. He gave instructions before Kobe came. <laughs> yeah. I read it myself. It's there. When you go to a place, the first thing you do is to use warm water to wash your hands. That time, they are not actually of uh, this they discovered bacteria. So all of these were there and they were practicing them religiously. So you can't say, I won't take drug. I don't need security. I can eat anyhow. No. You'll be practicing heresy. Are you here with me? These are some of the big questions that even I've heard theologians ask. So sometimes you say that, oh, okay, you have a, you have, you, have, you go to the hospital. It's a sin. You don't have to go to the hospital. So you tell them, oh, I have a doctor. <laughs> you don't need a doctor. <laughs> hey, I have a doctor. You don't need a doctor. If you get a doctor, you have sin. You don't have faith. You should be doing your check checkups. Hey, are you here with me? You should be doing your what? Your checkups. When you see that there's a problem, pray and let it be healed. And then make sure that what caused it, you don't continue. Are you getting the point? If they said they will give you a drug to take care of it, simple wisdom, why not? Take care of it and, and, and get off. Get so don't be too miracle conscious, unnecessary. Once it is something that men cannot take care of, miracles will happen for you. That's why I told you that Jesus told them, check the coffers and let's see whether we have money. So we can buy the bread. If we don't have much money like that, then we need a miracle. Are you getting the point? Yes.
So you see, John numbered his miracles. And he did that chronologically. He did that. I mean, he he wrote it. So you see, the Bible was written for a purpose and was written in a certain way for a purpose. You must know that. So let's look at them briefly. The first miracle, John 2, 1 to 10, you know what happened. Mm -hmm. Cana, right? Yes. Where he turned water to wine. Look at John 2, 11. Look at John 2, 11. After he had given us the account of what happened, look at what he said. This beginning of signs. This beginning of what? Signs. Oh, this beginning of what? Signs. Signs. Let's continue. Jesus did in Cana of Galilee and manifested his glory and his disciples believed in him. So, the first miracle, he said, it was a what? Sign for them to believe in him. Is it very clear? Enough, do you understand it? Okay. The second miracle. John 4, 46 to 53. But before then, you know that the Cana miracle was not just, it was, it, it, it was to also speak to his death, burial, resurrection. You know that. Mm -hmm. The new wine. You know that. Yeah. The new covenant. You know that. Yes. Okay, good. So that, that must be very clear. So all of these are pointers. Say they are pointers. They are pointers. Okay? He told them to draw eh? mm -hmm. from the water, eh? Yes. Which is the word that washes, eh? Mm -hmm. That sanctifies. Clear. Yes. All right. Then at the end, they said the new wine is better than what? The old. The old. Okay? So all of these were signs. Okay? So John 4, 46 to 53. This is when the noble man's son was here. Look at the 54. Then again, is the second sign Jesus did when he had come out of Judea into Galilee. So you see, John was chronicling the miracles and was introducing them as what? <laughs> so it was deliberately written in that manner to show you that miracles in themselves are not absolute. They are only signs. And they are pointers. Are you getting the point? Okay. 
at the third miracle, John 5. The man healed at the pool of Bethesda. You know that? Okay. The guy who was there for 38 years. So look at John 5. 5. Now a certain man was there who had an infirmity 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had already been in that condition a long time, he said to him, do you want to be made well? Let me show you something in Deuteronomy. Go to Deuteronomy 2.14. Are you there? Are you there? Deuteronomy 2.14. At the time we took to come from Kadesh Barnea until we crossed over the valley of the Zireb was 38 years. Until all the generation of the men of war was consumed from the midst of the camp, just as the Lord has sworn to them. So the man 38 years was actually speaking to the state of Israel in Kadesh Barnea, where they were in cycle for 38 years. So from there they moved into Canaan. It's a pointer of this man who was under the bondage of sickness, which is the law, death. Hey, are you getting the point? For 38 years, okay? To be now delivered. Are you getting the point? <laughs> so look at John 5.20. Look at John 5.20. Look at what John put there. After the miracle. For the Father loves the Son. And shows him all things. That he himself does, and he will show him greater works than these that you may marvel. So, after the miracle, he said, What you see now is not the greater, it's only a sign to what? Are you getting it? Look at the fourth miracle. John 6, 1 to 13, the feeding of the 5,000. And look at John 6, 14. After the miracle, look at what John wrote. Then those men who had seen the sign that Jesus did, are you getting it? They are seen what? Sign. Oh, they are seen what? The sign. The sign that Jesus did said, This is truly the prophet who is to come into the world. Mm -hmm. Are you getting the drift? So you see, after every miracle, he will use the miracle to point to the real work that Jesus came to do. That the miracle is only a sign. 
It's only a sign. Look at the faith. John 6. 15 to 20. He walked on water, right? Oh, hello? Yes, he walked on what? Water. So, let's go to John 6. Look at the 25. When he found him on the other side, they said, Rabbi, when did you get here? Yeshua responded to them, Amen, Amen. I tell you, you seek me, not because you saw signs. Did you see that? Mm -hmm. But because you ate all the bread and were filled. Are you getting the point? Mm -hmm. So, it's like you didn't understand the miracle Jesus did. So, it is to make you believe in him. But it looks like you didn't get it. Watch it. He says, Don't work for food that spoils, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For on him, God the Father has put the seal of approval. Then they said to him, What shall we do to perform the works of God? Yeshua answered them, This is the work of God, to trust in the one he sent. Mm. <laughs> Praise God. Are you getting it? So, you can see that for everything he did, he would always point them to what? The, himself mm -hmm. and the work he came to do, eternal work. Is that clear? Yeah. Yes. It is not the sign. Look at John 9. John 9 speaks to the one who was born blind. Let's start from one. Afterward, as Jesus walked down the street, he noticed the man born blind. His disciples asked him, teacher, whose sin caused this guy's blindness? His own or the sin of his parents? What's the question? Mm -hmm. They are asking like Africans, you know that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Let's go ahead. Jesus answered, neither, neither. It happened to him so that you could watch him experience God's miracle. So it's an opportunity for God's miracle. Are you getting the point? Yes. He didn't say that God deliberately did it. Mm. That's not what he said. So that's, take that one out of your mind. While I am with you, it's daytime. And we must do the works of God who sent me while the light shines. Eh? Mm. For there is coming a dark night when no one will be able to work. As long as I am with you, my light is the light that pierces the world's darkness. Mm. Oh, praise God. Hallelujah. So you see, he was about to do a miracle, but he says, I am the light of the world. Mm -hmm. So you see, if I open his eye, I am opening his eyes to point you to the fact that I am the light of the world. Mm. I came to heal your spiritual blindness. Mm. 
Is that very clear? Yes. Okay. Let's go to the next miracle. The seventh. John 11. Lazarus raised from the dead. So he presented Lazarus's miracle at the seventh. Which he's also using the motif of time. Okay? As more like now the full cycle has come. So that the real deal is now about to be presented. This is the last to the real deal. Does it make sense? Mm -hmm. Okay. So look at 11, 38 to 44. Look at the 38. Are you there? Then Jesus with intense emotions came to the tomb. And a cave with a stone placed over its entrance. Jesus told them, roll away the stone. The martyr said, but no, it's been four days since he died. By now his body is already decomposing. Jesus looked at her and said, didn't I tell you that if you will believe in me, you will see God unveil his power. Mm -hmm. So you believe in what? Mm -hmm. Is that very clear? Yes. Jesus looked at her and said, didn't I tell you to believe in me? Then he rolled away the stone, the heavy stone. Jesus gazed into heaven and said, Father, thank you that you have heard my prayer, for you listen to every word I speak. Now see, now so that these who stand here with me, watch this, will believe that you have sent me to the earth as your messenger. Mm. Did you get that? Yes. So the miracle is to bring the attention to him as the one who has come. Are you getting the point? Yes. As God's word, I will use the power you have given me. Okay, so with a loud voice, Jesus shouted with authority, Lazarus, come out of the tomb. And in front of everyone, Lazarus, who had died four days earlier, slowly hobbled out. He still had grave clothes tightly wrapped around his hands and feet covering his face. Jesus said to them, unwrap him and let him loose. Oh, praise God. Hallelujah. Right. Watch this. From that day forward, many of those who had come to visit Mary believed in him. For mm. they are seen with their own eyes this amazing miracles. Praise God. Hallelujah. Is that very clear? Yes. Okay. And then you also realize that when Jesus actually was told about the story of, of Lazarus, you remember what happened? Mary was actually doubting, and he told Mary, I am the resurrection and what? Rather, Martha. Martha, Jesus said, You don't have to wait until then. I am the resurrection, and I am life eternal. Mm. Anyone who clings to me in faith, even though he dies, will live forever. Mm. And the one who lives by believing in me will never die. Mm -hmm. And then Jesus asked, hey, do you believe this? Mm -hmm. okay. So you see, John wrote so well 
to make us understand that no miracle is absolute. And that every miracle is a sign to Jesus who gives life eternal. Mm. So the eighth miracle, which is a representation of the new beginning, the real deal, the full cycle has come to an end. Now Jesus himself is the one to be raised from the dead. Hallelujah. For all of us to have what? Okay, so every miracle that was pointing was not in itself the deal. It was pointing to Jesus rising from the dead. God saving us from sex, from death, from Satan, and from sin and self. Praise God. Hallelujah. Is that very clear? Look at John 20, verse 1, and then 19. John actually used the motif of time. Now the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb early, while it was still dark, and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. I know you didn't see the first day of the week, a new dispensation. Hallelujah. Oh, praise God. Hallelujah. We have gotten into the exodus. Are you getting the point? Mm. What we've been waiting for has come. A new dispensation has been opened to us. Hallelujah. Is that very clear? Mm -hmm. Okay. Look at the 19. Then the same evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled, for the fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in the midst and said, Peace be with you. Hallelujah. Amen. All right. So John actually wrote for us to understand that everything was happening to lead us into the new dispensation. Hallelujah. Into the coming day. Mm. To the new dawn. Praise God. Hallelujah. So, normally when people hear, oh, the last day, the last day, the last day, they think that, oh, it means that there's, there are some days after the death of Jesus that will be called the last days. So there are some new days that are going to come and they are going to see people, 666, on people's forehead. And they are waiting to see human beings with 666. Human. Are you waiting to see them? So they call it the last days. No, the last days started when Jesus was what Daniel spoke to, the kingdom that has no end has come. So from the day he came, the last days began. Jory, do you understand that? So the moment Jesus rose from the dead, we entered the last days. 
He has finished the work. Mm. And we are in the last week. Mm. The kingdom that has no end has come. Amen. Oh, praise God. Hallelujah. Do you understand it? Yes. Mm. Wonderful. I will end here for today. And there's glorious grace. Grace, glorious grace. At the cross, you called it finished. Thank you for listening to Grace Pills by Reverend Josh Lai, Lead Pastor, Caris Center International. We believe the word has begun a good work in you. May God's amazing grace lead you to a peaceful and joy-filled life. Caris Center International, living heaven on earth.